Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay. Well, we continue our study here in uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, and we've spent some time, particularly in this fifth chapter, uh, looking at these general exhortations that Paul is giving to the Ephesians before he turns his attention to more specific uh, applications. And it's here in chapters 4 and 5 that Paul turns our attention as we've been following along uh, with the theme of Ephesians from doctrine to devotion. And we are pointed to the earthly reality of the exalted Christ. It's this earthly reality that was hinted at in chapter 2 when Paul said that the new humanity was being created in Christ in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Again, progressing the analogy with reference not only to being the temple of God, but Christ's very body, that the Gentiles in chapter 3, verse 6, are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And again in chapter 4, verse 15, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And this morning, this metaphor is extended again in our, in our passage as the Spirit of God adds the analogy of light to the picture of the new creature in Christ. This morning we will be addressing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. But for context, I'll read for us Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. Follow along as I read the word of the Lord. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because <clears throat> the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that, that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. 
Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us go to him for help now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We petition you on behalf of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the spirit that you have given us through union with him, that we would not, you be, not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. You would rightly speak this morning that your truth would be known and that we would be sanctified in your truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we examined the works of darkness as well as the wages of darkness and sought to understand some of the weapons against the darkness. And I really enjoy this comment or enjoyed this comment from Brian Chappell And I think it makes for a good transition and introduction for us this morning as we look at verses 8 through 10. He says, What many will not want and fear, or what many will now want and fear, in light of Paul's warnings, is some standard measurement of the amount of skin, the number or kind of profanities, or the plot categories that will make it clear which entertainments are acceptable and which unacceptable. <clears throat> we may also want to know the maximum amount of personal spending that is allowed before it qualifies as greed. Such rules for all times and places, of course, cannot be constructed. We look at our passage, or we look before our passage this morning as we addressed last week as to the works of darkness, we see that immorality and impurity and greed must not even be named among you. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Certainly no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, therefore do not be partakers with them. And as uh, Brian Chapel points out here, after that we are wanting in some ways, give me a list of rules, give me a list of things that I should no longer participate in, how I cannot be a partaker of those around me, or a partaker of darkness. But God's word is wiser still, for as we see, there is no rule except to walk as children of light. There is no law as it relates to these things, or specific law as it relates to things, except trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. It's oftentimes that when we read in Scripture and we desire more instruction, it tells us to walk in the Spirit. It's much more difficult, I believe, to walk in the spirit, to walk as children of light, to try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord than it is to just follow a set of rote rules and laws of our own making, to create in ourselves a a sense of piety, to construct in our minds a how-to manual or a sanctification for dummies, as some might put it. But this morning we turn our attention away from such laws and such pietists or pietism, and we look to understand what it means to walk as children of light. And so as we look at this, we're going to look at it under three headings. 
We're going to look at the foundation of the light, the fruit of the light, and the focus of the light. It wasn't too long ago that I heard a message based on the idea of light. It was uh, based on this idea that, that Jesus is the light of the world, or that God is light. And the pastor proclaimed that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Choosing every illustration relating to light, even likening Jesus to a flashlight that you would take out from time to time as you needed to displace the darkness in your life. Unfortunately, it was woefully lacking in explaining what the light and darkness portrayed. So it was left up to the hearer to determine what it is the light they wanted in their life and what the darkness they needed to dispel. And you can imagine in the hearts and imaginations of men all the things that come about as we imagine what is light and what is darkness to us. But we need the light of Scripture to guide us better, to walk us well, so that we may understand what is this light and what is this darkness. We looked at the works of darkness last week. We saw as they relate to these things of sexual morality and an uncleanness or covetedness. There's filthiness and silly talk and coarse jesting that these are the works of darkness. These are the things that lack light for darkness is just that is an absence of light. Darkness is not a thing, really. It's not made of particles and waves like light is. Light is a thing. Darkness is the absent of light. And so it would not surprise us that as we address that the foundation of light is the God of scriptures, the one true and living God. Time would not permit me to do a full biblical theology of light this morning, so let's take a short survey of this biblical theme of lightness, of light and darkness. And as we begin this trek through Scripture, we would do well to start in the beginning. We know that in the beginning that there was darkness. Before God spoke light into existence, there was darkness. Before God, or as God made the heavens and the earth, it says that the earth was without form. And the Spirit was hovering over the deep. Well, we, ex we see that in this idea of darkness, it implies a lack of order. It implies that there was a chaos in some form there. And then God brings light to cast away the darkness and bring order and life to, this, to the day. And so we read in James, James's letter that every good, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is no lack in God. There is no absence of light in God. God is light. And so every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. And so we see that this idea of light and darkness is first related to who God is in himself, who, who the one true and living God is. God is light. But after the fall, it carried this idea of darkness, carried the reality, or light and darkness, carried the reality of the difference between wickedness and righteousness. 
This seems to be the theme that Paul carries on in Ephesians chapter 5. You can turn with me to the book of Psalms, or the the Psalms. We'll read a few uh, passages from there, beginning in Psalm 82. Psalm 82, beginning in verse 4, we see there's a cry to rescue the weak and needy, to deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Again, turn farther back in the Psalms and go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 and verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. The Lord is my light. The Lord is, the, is righteousness. Proverbs is also can be a help of a, for us this morning. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Here we find the path of righteousness is is like what Paul says, that we are to walk as children of light. For the path of righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day, full day. Yet the wicked are in the darkness and they do not know over what they stumble. They grope about in the darkness. They're unable to even know what causes them to fall. And our last three illustrations from the Old Testament this morning come from the book of Isaiah which I uh, would say that Paul, or the Spirit of God through Paul, draws heavily upon uh, as as we see in Ephesians chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Here is uh, the judgments, or the judging against the wicked. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. We see here in Isaiah 5 the judgment against 
comes against those who live in darkness. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Here we have the prof- prophesying of the birth of the coming king, the coming, the coming prince of peace. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, we read in, ver- in verse 2 that the people who walk in darkness just mention woe to those who walk in darkness. So the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. So there is hope for those who live in darkness. And then Isaiah chapter 60. Here let's consider verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And then drop down to verse 19. No longer will you have the sun for light by day nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and the days of your mourning will be over. We see that there is the beginning of a renewal with the coming of Christ. And yet there is a waiting of a consummation of it where there will no longer will you have the sun for the light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. And it is with glorious praise that we read in the prologue to John's gospel that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he he was in the beginning with God all things came into being through him and apart from him nothing came into being that that has come into being in him was life and life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which was coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We see that the foundation of this light 
is the same God who spoke the sun into existence and gave it light so that it would bring forth its light this morning. And it is the one who has spoken into our darkness and brought forth such a glorious light that we are now considered children of light. We see back in Ephesians chapter 5. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We must first recognize, recognize the foundation of this light so that we may not construe what comes the fruit of this light. So we may understand that it is the light of God, that God is light. It is the work of the Spirit working in us that will produce this fruit in chapter nine or in verse nine. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Christians are not to presume upon their difference and view themselves as above the fray. They are to remember that they remain in this drama of sin and salvation. Prudence demands that they be self-aware enough to avoid walking wayward paths whereby they might fall into temptation or journeying in such places that they bring contempt on Christ's own name. What we see here is we walk as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth is an understanding that we as children of light continue to uh, exist or continue to live in this age. We continue to live in, this dark, in these dark times. In verse 16, Paul says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. For we are living examples that the Lord has yet a work to be done on this earth for he has not removed his spirit. He has not removed his people from this uh, from the earth. And so we, we conclude that, that we would not grow weary, that we would not grow complacent, that we'd be self-aware to avoid walking wayward paths, that we would see the fruit of this light, that we'd see the fruit, really, of the Spirit. We would see that this as it relates to the idea of fruit. Consider the metaphor that Paul enlists here as, a, again, a consistent and biblical metaphor in Scripture. The first three verses of Psalm 1 come to mind when I think of this idea of the fruit of light being righteousness, or goodness, righteousness, and truth. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers." We know we consider Psalm 1 to be a prophetical psalm, a messianic psalm, that Christ is the blessed man, that Christ is the tree of life, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. 
that we are to go to Christ to receive this fruit, to partake of this fruit. And yet it is not in order for it to waste in us, but to then produce in us the fruit of the light, goodness and righteousness and truth. Thomas Boston says that light in religion without heat and warmth is so unlike heaven that it will issue in utter darkness where there is scorching heat without light. He here contrasts heaven and hell or heaven and darkness. He says light without heat and warmth is not like heaven, is not like the place of blessed existence of God where, where, where all light is consuming and there is heat and warmth to go with light. You can almost, you know this when you're in a dark place and somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes, it hurt. It almost hurts. It, 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 it doesn't provide you any help or any guidance. It almost, it blinds you. It's a hindrance to you. But if somebody in, in, a, in the darkness were uh, to light a candle, you would benefit not only from the light of it, but from its heat and its warmth. And it would, it would soon fill the room with its light. And so it is supposed to be our religion. Our religion is supposed to have uh, the fruit of light, of goodness, of righteousness, and of truth that the light that we bring to the darkness would be one of heat and warmth. For it's, as Boston says, that in utter darkness, there will be scorching heat, but there will be no light. Consider the words of our Lord that there is a place where the worm does not die, nor the fire is quenched, and yet it is darkness, for there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we recognize that, that though we have, we have a foundation of the light in God and the fruit of the light as we see produced in us by the Spirit of God, we now may come to the focus of the light. The focus of the light. In verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. See, the person who does, as one commentator says, the person who does what God says with a resentful heart and begrudging obedience does not bear the mark of the true child of light. Again, there is harshness in that light. There is no heat and warmth in the obedience that's done with a resentful heart and a begrudging obedience. For now, where you were once unable to please God and you were enemies of God, you were considered a child of wrath, a son of disobedience. You have now been made a child of God. You have been made children of light. And so it is of your new birthright that you may please your father. We might want to understand this idea of pleasing God better for in, in our own lives, in experience with our own parents, we may see that to please our parents is to appease our parents. That we may understand that I just need to do something just so they're no longer angry at me. 
Parents, may we repent of when we give our children that impression. But we recognize that sin is rampant in this world and even in our own hearts. But to please God is not to appease God, for God's wrath has been satisfied on the cross. There is no longer any condemnation for those that are in Christ. We proclaim this. We rest in this. We hope in this. And yet here scripture says for us to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That the child of light is a a learner. The child of light wants to know what it it means or what, what is to be done that is pleasing to the Lord. Well, to please God is to share in his blessedness. For we know and we rightly confess that we can add nothing to God. Right? The Father of lights where there is no shadow of turning. There is no lack in God. God is not wanting something from us. He didn't give us salvation and then lose something so that we would then give something back to him in return. No, he gives from his infinite goodness. His eternal blessedness he gives to us. And it is, as we walk in obedience, it is our right as children of light to share in his blessedness and so experience his pleasure. What a wonderful blessing it is to be a child of light that we can experience the pleasure of our Lord, that we don't have to walk in darkness, that we don't have to experience his wrath. Oh, for sure, when we disobey the Lord, we walk according to the flesh, we may experience the discipline of the Lord. For he is a good father who will correct us and bring us back into fellowship with him. But here we are to learn, to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. This is the focus of the light, that we would not be looking to appease God, but to please God. I've said this before that as I want to reinforce with my kids is that their obedience should not come because of a fear of me. That they, they should not come, they should not obey me to appease my wrath, but they should obey me in a desire to please me because they love me. Because they share in my love with them. That is much lesser to the greater as we think of God. To share in his blessing is to bear his image, to walk in his ways. We read in Romans 8 where we are being conformed into the image of the Son. That is, that we are being conformed into uh, the image of Christ and so share in his blessedness. And as I said, we must confess that God's pleasure is a gracious act. We don't walk as children of light. We don't bear fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth and so earn a reward from God. God's pleasure is a gracious act. The Heidelberg Catechism is helpful to us. In question 62, it says, why can't our good works be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of our righteousness? 
Because the righteousness which God, which can pass God's judgment must be entirely perfect and must in every way measure up to the divine law. But even our best works in this life are imperfect and stained with sin. Question 63. How can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? We can add to that when God says that he takes pleasure in them in this life and the next. Well, this pleasure or this reward, the answer says, is not earned. It is a gift of grace. It is a pleasure, it is a right, it is a joy as a child of God, a child of light to be able to please the Lord. For we cannot please the Lord apart from faith, as his word says elsewhere. And it is not done in our own power, but by the power of that light, which brought everything into existence and upholds everything by the power of his word. That light which shone in the darkness of fallen creation on that mountain in Jerusalem and caused all to fall on their face. And it also caused the very sun to cover its glory at his death. That light who was sent as flaming tongues upon the apostles to be spread through the preaching of the gospel and is now at work in every believer. This is to please God, is to experience or to share in his blessedness. And we recognize that we live, as Paul says, we live in days that are evil. We live amongst those who are living and uh, practicing unfruitful deeds of darkness. We live along people who walk in the futility of their minds that are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, we live amongst this. We live in this world. We live with ourselves. We live with the darkness or the flesh that continues to cling to us. Even Paul testifies in Romans 7 that That which he desires to do, he does not do. And that which he doesn't desire to do, he does do. And I may have just said the same thing, paraphrasing that. But the idea is is that we must, we understand that this glorious light that that we are now partakers of, that we now live according to, is one that, causes us to follow the example of our Lord in prayer, that we would ask that we would not be led into temptation, but be delivered from evil. And again, I'm thankful for the wisdom of the Heidelberg Catechism in question 127. What does the sixth petition mean? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil means... By ourselves, we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. 
and our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our flesh never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory, until we finally enter into that light in which there will be no need for the sun, for God will be the light. There will be no need for the moon. Hear the words of Peter in closing. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it teaches us who you are, that you are light, and that you have revealed yourself to us, your creatures. Who is man, O Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them? But you have done so much more then reveal yourself to us in creation. For the Son of God has assumed our flesh, not in glorious light, but in humble humanity, born, born as a servant, born under the law, so that we might have victory in him. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have made us children of light in Christ Jesus, that you've given us your spirit of light to produce in us fruit of light so that we might be a light to this darkness. And though the world may revile us, though Satan may afflict us, though our flesh may tempt us. You have won for us the victory that we may one day see you as you are, to live for eternity in your blessedness, in your pleasure. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of that now. We ask that they would ever increase in our life by the power of the Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.